What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Bleacher Report predicts the Chicago Bulls go 12-15 and 15 over the last 27 games, finishing the season at 38-44. and 44. We're going to talk a little bit about that. The Chicago Bulls' real chances and odds of moving up in the Eastern Conference. We're talking about all that and more right after this. You are now tuned in to Chicago Bulls Central, your number one spot for all things Chicago Bulls, hosted by Hayes. What's going on, Bulls fans? Welcome to another episode of Chicago Bulls Central, your number one spot for everything Chicago Bulls related. I'm the host, there, Hayes, but more importantly, you guys can follow the channel at Bulls Central Pod on every social media platform we happen to be on. With that being said, Let's go ahead and get into this content for today. So, Bleacher Reporters predicted the Bulls to finish 38-44, and 44, which would mean that the Bulls are only going to win 12 out of their last 17 games. Now, this would mean that the Bulls are going to finish below 500, but still put the Bulls at a chance to still finish and make that play-in tournament for what that's worth. And this led a lot of people, and, you know, we've had conversations on what are the Bulls' chances of finishing better than that or even moving up the standings in the Eastern Conference. We've talked about the difficult road ahead for the Chicago Bulls. For the rest of the way of the season, they have the 12th hardest schedule in the NBA. They have the 17th hardest schedule for the remainder of the month of February. But that gets harder over there. At, out of the Over the last few games, 16 of the Bulls' last 27 games are going to be a, a teams above 500 or better this season. That means that the Bulls are only going to have uh, what 11 games against teams that are, you know, uh, are below 500, right? They're supposed to be the easier teams to beat. And so we've seen this Bulls team struggle at different times and points in the season for sure, right? We, we understand that. We've seen it. And that's kind of where it sits right now. The Bulls would have to go 15 and 12 over the last 27 games uh, to, to finish at 500. That's just what it's going to have to be, right? And uh, so, you know, we'll, we'll see. The Bulls do face a difficult schedule. When you look at how the teams that are above them in that kind of playing area are all have easier schedules as well as the Chicago Bulls. It's going to be a tough, a tough schedule for the Bulls, and I would say this: if the Bulls are able to finish above 500, uh, you know, with above 500 pace, I don't know if they'll finish above 500 on the season with the above 500 pace. Then, you know, that says a lot about the way and what this team would have to go through and the level of competition they would have to face to get there. The Bulls, since January 1st, are 11 and 10. The month of December pushes them above 500 for the, for the, the time period, right? We've always talked about since December. But they have a lot of questions still in front of them or, or what's going to happen. Um, So, you know, we'll see what this team can do. You know, the Bulls finishing, you know, last year we had that strong 14 and 9 season, Uh, you know, uh, 14 and 9 uh, run after the All-Star break. It's going to have to take the Bulls to play extremely well if they really want to have a strong finish like that again. The, the Miami Heat, the Orlando Magic, they sit at the 7th and 8th right now above the Chicago Bulls, both already have over 30 wins. They're both right now at 30 and 25 on the season. The Indiana Pacers are 31 and 25, and they've held on to the 6th seed for a while now as well. The Bulls are going to have to be prepared, and they're going to have to fight, play some of their best basketball over the back end of the season if they want a chance to move up the standings and if they want a chance to finish above 500. Now, I'm not saying that it's likely at this point. I know that this team has played hard. It has played with better heart. We're hopefully getting Patrick Williams back. Hopefully we're hearing something about that over the next couple of days. They said it would be reevaluated towards the end of the All-Star break. You know, so let, let's see if that ends up happening. I, I don't think he's going to be ready to go by that Boston game, but I'd love to be surprised with that. 
But if this Bulls team really does want to try to make that move, right, if this Bulls team does want to try to finish strong and be that competitive team that AK has talked about, it's going to take a hard effort over the last half of this, well, the last part of the season. It's much less than half the season, so I can't say that. Right now, the Atlanta Hawks are also two games below 500. The Bulls are four games behind both Miami and Orlando Magic, and they're uh, four and a half games behind the Indiana Pacers. Basically, what that means is the Bulls are going to have to play. Like I said before, I would I would like to see the Bulls win between 15 and, and 17 games out of this last 27. I'm not saying that that's likely. That's what I would like to see from the team to be able to finish as. But it's going to be a hard and difficult role for the Bulls to truly get there if they if they want to. It's going to take health. It's going to take proper coaching. It's going to take the team stepping up and playing better offensively, spreading the ball out, being a more efficient offense. We've talked about it. The defense for the Bulls is pretty legit. Top 10 defense in the league. It, it, it's, it's legit, right? It is what it is there. Um, but you have to, you, your, your offense has been really stagnant. We don't get to the free throw line. We are bottom of the league in pace. We're towards the bottom in three-point attempts, right? I'm not saying you need to fix all of those things, but fixing the pace by getting more rebounds. We are one of the better offensive rebounding teams in the league, but we don't convert that to second-chance points. We have to convert the easier offense better for the Chicago Bulls to really be a team that can make some noise in the back half of the season. And we'll see if they're able to do it. But with that said, you know, talking about this season, Pivoting kind of towards the offseason, right? We're going to start doing some of our, I'm already starting my draft tape. Uh, I'm starting to watch prospects. I'm starting to watch more college games to kind of look specifically at prospects I think should be on the Chicago Bulls board. But what are the goals of the Chicago Bulls this offseason? This is something that a lot of fans talk about. We're going to keep talking about is what's that goal? So there's a couple of different ways that the Bulls can go with this. The first one is letting DeMar walk and uh, and maybe some of the other vets. And some of the other vets is mainly just Andre right? Because that's basically the only other vet that we have that contract is up next season is Andre Drummond. And the Bulls have to make tough decisions on that. And the reason why, and I know a lot of Bulls fans are going to say, well, why let DeMar walk? You could have traded him at this trade deadline. You should have taken a deal to get something back. Here's what I'll say is maybe the Bulls looked at it. I'm not, I'm not saying that this is, this is what I would want the team to do or what I wanted them to do, but maybe the team looked at it and said, why take back salary for DeMar if we're only we're getting back is maybe a highly protected first. Or maybe we're getting back a second round pick when maybe we can get a sign and trade in the offseason, but you know, maybe not attaching that salary. The Bulls are going to be right up to the luxury tax. That's just is is the reality of it. we're going to be right up to that luxury tax uh, next offseason. And so letting DeMar DeRozan walk, while it doesn't convert that to one-to-one cap space for the Bulls to do anything with, it does make them uh give them uh, you know, not having any salary to attach it to where they can go out and get some um get some, you know, uh, vet minimum contracts. And so what, what letting the veterans in DeMar DeRozan and Andre Drummond walk would do is clear the, the way for some of the younger players, right? That means that you can you, you can play more of Patrick Williams. I know a lot of people want to see him at the three. More of, Jaylen, uh, of uh, Julian Phillips, more of Daylon Terry, right? That gives those guys some more minutes in another role. Now, that's not necessarily going to convert to more, winning more basketball games, but if you want to really take a look at what these young players can be, even maybe calling up or earn a lot between maybe uh, bringing up a Henry Drell, Adama Sinago getting a spot if Andre Drummond isn't retained, things like that. So those are absolute things that the Bulls can look at for sure if they really want to, uh, you know, kind of change up some things, prioritize some development, look at what Peter Patton and, and that development squad can do with those teams. And so, you know, we'll see that. Um, it also, you know, so those are the things you want to look at. The thing that a lot of Bulls fans think is the most likely, and some pundits do as well, is re-signing DeMar DeRozan and Patrick Williams at that point, both to uh, their extensions. 
That would still mean letting Andre Drummond walk. Maybe you're looking at Adama Sanogo. Maybe you're looking at signing another center at, at a vet minimum, something like that. But we've seen this story, right? And I, and I understand that it is a likely scenario. I'm not saying that it's completely outside the realm of possibility that the Chicago Bulls look at this and say, DeMar, welcome back. Um, but I do think that the, the concern there then is that you're paying a DeMar DeRozan who is already showing signs of declining. You're going to be paying him, what, 20 plus million dollars for a team that we've seen the outcome of what this team can already be. That is a play-in team and maybe maybe a first-round exit. Maybe you can, you can if everybody stays healthy for a full season, Zach Levine comes back locked in, maybe you can, you can, you can go above that. But, you know, staying competitive by re-signing most of our players that we have here now is another scenario that the Bulls can go to. Next one is taking a step back now to take a long-term step forward, meaning prioritizing your young players even more in the rotation, signing vet minimum players to fill out the roster where you can. And, you know, that's kind of more of the signings of like a Tory Craig, more of the Javon, Javon Carter. I don't like using him in a positive signing, but signing more of the Tory Craigs, the Andre Drummonds when we got him, right? Signing more of those veterans who kind of need to prove some things that maybe the league has some doubt around them, but prioritizing your young guys in a way where it's like, hey, Pat, you are now taking 15 shots a game. You're getting those 15 shots, right? So that's something that that is an option for the Chicago Bulls and an option that some Bulls fans do want to see by taking that step back. What that does for the Chicago Bulls team is that if you do let Drum, if you let DeMar walk, if let's say you even look to, to trade off uh, a, a, a Javon Carter or whatever else it is to just open more time for your young players, keep in mind the Bulls owe a top 10 protected pick to the San Antonio Spurs. So taking a more momentary step back for development, and while not, it's not going to be as fun, it's going to suck to talk about, right? It's still not a full rebuild, but it is put. it does put you in a place to where you are prioritizing those young players, and you may even be able to keep your own draft pick at that point in time as well and avoid that going to the San Antonio Spurs in a draft next season, not this, not this offseason, but next offseason in a draft that's supposed to be way deeper than what the 2024 draft is. So that is an option for the Bulls, but I think this is an unlikely scenario. From what we've seen from AK, it seems like he is going to do everything in his power to make sure that this Chicago Bulls team is still winning basketball games, even with some fans dis disapprove of that or not. And so that's something that is an option for this team. And it's an option I think a lot of Bulls fans are more receptive to because they understand in the fact that, yeah, our team may, I mean, it's not going to still satisfy the ones that want to see a full rebuild, right? The Zach Levine piece and all this still matters as well. We'll talk a little bit about him and Vooch here next up. But I think what that would do is like, it'll, it'll see, hey, Kobe, how much do you respond as a number one, right? That gives you more data to look at and say, hey, Kobe, DeMar's gone. Maybe Zach's gone by the trade deadline. We're going younger. All right, now teams are, are zeroing in on you. How are you going to respond to this? Can you be, are you a number one A or one B? Are you more like a number two and we need to, you know, find that true number one, which we could then get by our draft pick getting worse? That is another option. I don't think that it's likely, but it is one of the options. And then kind of the other things that I know Bulls fans talk about, us getting off like a Vooch and Zach Levine. Here's the thing. Zach, I know that there's been some talks, and it will be a lot of talk this offseason if the Bulls can find a trade partner, if they're even looking one for Zach Levine. I have said it. I've gone on record. Once Zach Levine went down with another injury, a season-ended injury, to me, that's, that signified to me that Zach Levine probably isn't going to be moved this offseason. I just don't know if the questions around the team and how he impacts winning his health things like that. I don't know if that has gone away and it's going to make that market any bigger. Now, so one thing that you could say to that is that teams are going to have cap space, right? Some of those teams are going to have cap space. It's not going to be enough to absorb Zach Levine's contract, 
but they don't have to match as much as Zach Levine's salary if they have, let's say they have $12 million in cap space. That means now you got you to gotta match $30 million instead of sending out $40 million in cap space. That could mean keeping on to one of your high-level role players rather than having to include them in the deal, or you could still use your mid-level exception, right? So if there's that option. I'm not going to act like it's, it's a complete non-option there for the Bulls that maybe they can find a trade partner with Zach, but I think all this Zach Levine talk is going to be pushed to next year at the trade deadline, and so that makes that unlikely as far as moving Zach Levine. I'd say that if I had to bet whether or not Zach Levine is on the Chicago Bulls roster by tip-off next season, I'm betting he's still on the roster. We'll see what that means, right? But then Nikola Vucevic. I know that Vuce has been a problem, and we understand that, and I know a lot of Bulls fans think, oh, well, you got to move Vuce. Vooch is going to be unlikely to be moved this offseason, and let me tell you why. At this point, to move Nikola Vucevic, you're going to have to attach a more attractive asset for a team to even be willing to take on the contract of Nikola Vucevic. Meaning, you're going to have to attach either a first-round pick or a young player, all things that this team is currently trying to hold on to because of how much they gave up to build this team, which means Nikola Vucevic, at the chances of him being on the Chicago Bulls roster to start off next season is all bet about a 99%. So it's, it's just not going to be teams that really try to bite on that contract of Nikola Vucevic. And I know that some Bulls fans are holding out that hope. I get it. He's not playing good. And I understand people are like, hey, I don't want Vuce on this team. I get it. He's still averaging, what, 17 and 11, something like that. The Bulls aren't going to be able more than likely to move Nikola, off Nikola Vucevic's contract this offseason, which means that the, the main change experience the thrill of March Madness. If you're still out on the hunt for a sports book to call home, bet the nonstop action of March Madness with my bookie. Enter the bracket contest for a chance to take home prizes up to $25,000 or pick from a huge selection of straight bets, props, and odds boosts. Whatever your style, my bookie makes it easy to play your way and get paid. Sign up now and take advantage of our generous welcome offer to score a massive first deposit bonus up to $1,000. All you have to do is claim the code Bull Central, but the fun doesn't stop there. Get up to the minute odds, free bets, and expert predictions to help you decide who to put your money on. The best part about my bookie, you can bet on anything, anytime, from anywhere. Use the promo code Bull Central to secure your limited time welcome bonus today coming from this team is going to come either DeMar not being re-signed, Zach Levine being traded, a combination of the two or one or other, and I think the more likely scenario in all of that, just at what's more likely, is DeMar DeRozan not being re-signed via the things that we've heard, things like that. At this point, DeMar DeRozan really kind of hinges on how much change happens with the Chicago Bulls roster. Like, it's almost solely determined by if the Bulls decide to go ahead and pay DeMar what he wants. We heard that the team was far apart on years and money, which means that DeMar isn't taking all of a sudden some easy, some, some uh, team-friendly contract to return to the Chicago Bulls, meaning that the Bulls are more likely going to have to overpay if they want to bring DeMar DeRozan back, which is maybe something that this team just isn't willing to do via seeing where we've been. I haven't had the lights on this whole episode. What? Listen, halfway through the episode, the lights are back on now. It is what it is. But so, you know, we'll see. Uh, what happens with that? And um, I think it really comes down to that. If DeMar is not retained, that to me would signify how much change we're going to have this offseason. Now, the draft happens first before free agency in the NBA, so we're already kind of know what the Bulls get in their draft. Again, we'll be covering that going forward as we head towards the end of the season. We'll kick up that draft coverage. Um, but yeah, so the, you know, the Bulls right now, their options in the offseason are very slim as far as really making change to this team. And notice I didn't say improvement because some of the change may be, like I said, taking a step back for a season to take that long-term step going forward. And the Bulls may want to try to take a shot 
at Cooper Flag in next year's draft. I'm not saying that that's guaranteed, right? Because you know that this Bulls team, like I said before, looking at the motto that they've kind of laid out with the Denver Nuggets, this is not a team that's likely to tank or to re- or to or to completely blow up a team. But that does not mean that in trying to prioritize young players, you don't take a bit of a step back. It's it's a it's a slim chance, but it is a ch- so you're telling me there's a chance, right? So we'll end up seeing what happens with this team, man. I listen as of as of right now. Here's what I'll say. I expect more things to stay the same than to change this offseason for the Chicago Bulls and how we deal with that as fans and how this team comes out next season. Man, it's going to be really interesting to see. But you guys can let me know what you think down below. But I'm finally clearing out the mailbag so that way we can start with a clear slate. This is probably the last set of voicemails I'll play this week until we get to Saturday's mailbag episode. So if you guys do send in voicemails, still send them in. You get any thoughts, please send them in. But we probably won't get to them unless we get an overfill again until Saturday's mailbag. So don't think I I avoided you or ignored you if you do send in any voicemails after today. We're just kind of catching up on where we were before. So this first voicemail, this one's from Shay. Yo, hey, what's up, man? Look, I've been sitting up here thinking about us not making a trade, and I understand why we didn't. And plus, after the last couple of years, we are saying a whole lot of teams make a whole lot of trades and have it bite them in the ass in the long run. Look at the Lakers, man. They in the same spot as we in spot as we in, and then they made all them good trades last year. Not to mention, look at the Milwaukee Bucks, thinking that they was going to do something, and then ran into the Heat, who, by all means, we, the Bulls should have beat in that playing game, and then lost to them hey, three, lost to them four to one. So, I'm saying this to say this, just because a team makes a lot of good moves, or a lot of moves that people think they need, don't necessarily mean it'll pan out. Think about it. Sometimes, I mean, I'm not comparing the Bulls, but sometimes, Doing nothing is sometimes better than just doing anything at all because sometimes when you do the things that you think that you're supposed to do, it ends up not working out for you. Anyway, tell me what you think. Peace. Bulls not making a trade. I think at this point everybody kind of realizes why the Bulls don't make I mean, I think most people come to term. I don't think anybody's really surprised anymore. And like you said, making a trade doesn't mean – and I don't think anybody ever wanted to see the Bulls just make a trade to make a trade. Let me not say nobody. There are some people that did want to see the Bulls make a trade just to make a trade just so they can say their team made a trade. But like I said before many times, Shay, the, the disappointment to me around this trade deadline isn't just because of just this trade deadline. It's because the lack of activity to meaningfully improve the team over basically three transa- four transaction periods, two off-seasons, and two tra- trade deadlines. So, you know, that's, that's I think, the thing that people are kind of more disappointed at. But you're, you're right. You can make a trade to make one. The Lakers made a trade, the team that you use, which really did help propel them into the, in the going on a playoff run. But then it's been disappointing this season, right? So. Those are always a risk that you play, but you have to try to take a risk as a front office. When you play it safe year after year as a front office, other teams around you are getting better. So, like I said, it's not just about this trade deadline. It's kind of about the lack of activity over the course of years and transaction periods for the Bulls. But great voicemail there, Shay. Let's get into this next one. This one's from Corn. Hey, what's the word, King, man? It's Corn, man. Uh, <laughs> I'm just up here watching this All-Star game, man. I'm finally at the house, man. This is one rare time when I'm at my house. Um, sitting here watching it, man, um, it's, it's obvious why Kobe is just to lose Matthews is because, and we don't talk about Kobe, that's why I want to talk about, Kobe is our MIP, okay? Kobe is our MIP. He's our most improved player. Um, uh, he's a future foundation piece that we're going to build on. Um, we know all these things, so his time will come when he will be that. Um, you know, like you just said, um, on the last episode, um, uh, just go give him more drive, more will. But the reason why, because we see Matthew, Matthew up here, you know, he's, he's at the All-Star game. You know what I mean? So 
that's why Nancy will win. I don't know. I didn't, I don't believe. I'm not sure, but you no, know, he didn't. He didn't make it last year, so him not being an All Star to jump in to being an All Star this year, that's the that's going to be it. You know, what I'm saying the reason why he gets MIP Most Improved Player of the Year. But Kobe is our guy. Um, very proud of that brother, man. Um, there's nothing more I can say to him, man. It's been uh, fun to watch him. Like I said, I, I'll be always the first one to admit I wasn't on the Kobe White train. I wanted to trade it his ass after he did to clap it up. I was one of them. I was done with him. Um, you know, and I, I, I always admit that. You know what I'm saying? I'm always gonna admit that mistake. Like, you know, I, I did not want Kobe at all at one point. So uh, I'm happy we stuck with him, and I'm happy to be wrong. It's okay to be wrong when the wrong is right. <laughs> but uh, another thing I want to speak on uh, real quick, it, it, watching this game, man, I'm going to just say it, man. The East is back, man. The East is a monster. And uh, it's these youngsters, you know, um, the Tyrese Hellenberg, the the, the, the Maxies in the world, uh, the Jason Tatum, the Jalen Browns. You know, like they just said right now, I just heard Damian Lillard is the oldest guy on there, man. Um, the East is back being a beast again, like in, in, in my era, you know, in our era. Hey, you know, you, you got me by one year. You 37, I'm 36. But the East is back being a beast again, man, and it, it's going to be fun. And watching Kobe dealing with a beast again and watching him grow to be the man, uh, the player um, that I know he could be, Let's go, you know. But, yeah, I just wanted to say that, man. Appreciate you like always. Hey, peace, man. Maxie getting most improved player over Kobe. I mean, I get what you're saying and saying that he wasn't an all-star. Now he is an all-star. But, like I said, I look at it as the improvement. And maybe I'm just being too literal. No player in the NBA has improved from where they were last year as far as not only output, standing on the team, placing the rotation, and as a leader, nobody has grown more in those things than Kobe White, in my opinion, this season. And for me, I would love to see Kobe White winning, and if he doesn't, like you said, he's our most improved player. We know we're going to celebrate the season that Kobe White has had, absolutely. And Kobe has come a long way since that clap it up moment, both in kind of the mindset of Bulls fans, but also as a person. I think Kobe White has grown so much as a leader. He's still developing as well in that, and we'll end up seeing. Now, as far as the East being back, I mean, yeah, the East is back. It's cool, but the All-Star game was fucking trash, bro. Like, that whole All-Star weekend was just absolutely god-awful trash. So to be the king of the trash pile, I guess, is cool, right? And, I mean, don't get me wrong. I want to see Kobe White be in that Eastern Conference next, uh, next year for the All-Star. I would love to see that. But at this point, like, the All-Star game, the All-Star weekend is just a bunch of goddamn disappointment for me. But I'm glad that you got enjoyment. I'm glad for anybody who got enjoyment out of it. It's just not me. All right, let's get into the last voicemail for today. This one's from Larry. What up, man? This is Larry. I'm going to be Yeah. 
similar. So we were going to lose that out anyway. But uh, I appreciate your thoughts. And, and given if Patrick doesn't come back, my question is, what do you think will be if Patrick is unable to play for the rest of this season? Oh, I appreciate it. Devin Vassell, is Devin Vassell an overpay? I don't think that he was. He's averaging over 18 points per game. I know that we kind of look typically look at $20 million as like, you you got to be a star-level player to get $20 million. But with the way that the salary cap has risen and the way that we're seeing contracts, $20 million is going to be what we start seeing like really good role players get get signed for. So, you know, and again, that's not even to say Patrick Williams or that's just insane in general as far as like how the $20 million contract has changed now as far as the way that it's communicated about in the NBA. This has definitely changed a whole hell of a lot. Now, as far as P-Will, right? Like I said, I think it's going to be between P-Will money and between the $20 million. I mean, between the money that Kobe White got and between the $20 million mark, I say it's probably going to settle it somewhere about 17 and a half annual average salary is what I what I would kind of bet on it being. But we'll see. I, I mean, listen, where do things have happened? We don't know. As far as people not returning this season, if that does happen, that's going to give the Bulls considerable negotiating power. He's going to be back. I don't I just I don't see this front office letting P Will walk for nothing. I don't even know if they're going to let him go through restricted free agency and go find a, a deal somewhere else like Zach Levine did a few a uh, few years back, right? But I think, you know, P Will not returning would definitely kind of t- take a hit to that to that that talk for the for the contracts him and his agent is going to be a hit and i think you're going to see him motivated to get back on the court but again being healthy is the most important thing and then as far as buyout uh candidates you're right like it, it sounds good to say hey let's go out and get this buyout candidate but we're seeing that buyout candidates especially with the because they're older players generally they want to try to get a ring they're going to sign for team with teams that are going to give them an opportunity to win a championship they can probably only play five minutes for those teams but to say that they finished their nba career got a ring that is what a lot of players are going to. And, you know, even then, some of the players like Dale Gallinari, I think, is going to play a role for that Bucks team for sure, right? Especially as the playoffs go on and things like that. But, man, I just I, – listen, the, the Bulls are going to have to scrape the bottom of the bucket if it comes to a buyout market. And, you know, we'll see. Like I said, the Bulls just need some three-point shooting. So, even if a player isn't necessarily the biggest name on the buyout market, but they can bring consistent three-point shooting when they're called on, I still don't think they're going to be called on a lot. You know, maybe we'll see how much that can help the team. I would rather see those minutes go to the development players that we have here that we're trying to develop and may have to use even more next season. But we'll end up seeing what happens. But, guys, thank you so much for the voicemails, man. That's my time for today. Make sure you're following the show at Bull Central Pod. You can send us any feedback, questions, comments, concerns. BullCentralPod at gmail.com. And then lastly, if you want to leave a text message and our voicemail for the mailbag, the number to do so, 773-270-2799. We are the number one spot for everything Chicago Bulls related thanks to you guys. And like I liked in every episode on, go Bulls. Love you guys. See red if you can, y'all. Peace. This has been a presentation of the Break Break Media. special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.